Hey y'all, and welcome back to This Is Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Hilbert, and this is a podcast all about how to become the best version of you. Finding who you really are, improving yourself, feeding your soul, and exploring new ways to grow in each area of your life. week been? I've been working insanely hard on this podcast, honestly just trying to create create more content for you guys. If you guys don't follow my Facebook page, you really should check it out. I will post it in the show notes. But I've just been trying to increase how much content I create for you guys, as well as overall quality and range of content. So I'm trying to put out more resources, more just inspirational quotes for you to think about, more content that you can interact with and give me your responses. That way it helps me more on this podcast, but just overall content. So please do go ahead and um, follow that page and like it as well. I've also been recently adding in more, well, I guess not more. I've been adding in raw elements to my dog's food. I mentioned this in my last episode, which is about resolving New Year's resolutions. If you guys want to go check that out, it will also be in the show notes. We talked about a new method of following your resolutions all year long instead of just forgetting about them after two months. But one of my goals this year is to work on my pup's diet. And one of the ways I want to do that is by adding in raw elements. So I've started slowly by adding in pumpkin and egg and coconut oil into their food in the morning. And they are, they love it. They have been going so crazy every morning when I put their bowl down, which just makes my life so much easier, but it's great for them. Coconut oil is actually really good for their skin and their fur. Egg has a bunch of, I think it's like I should know this. It's calcium protein and then pumpkin has a bunch of antioxidants. Um, Don't take my word on raw feeding at all. If you want to do that, please do your own research, but just slowly adding it in. So I'm not suddenly changing their diet, but they love it and it's awesome. And I'm just more and more excited to try out new things in their food. And it really, I mean, the three items that I bought didn't cost me barely anything and it's going to make a difference for them, which is so cool and just improving their quality of life. I'm also really lucky because I have a close friend who completely raw feeds her dog. So I've been learning bits and pieces from her. I'm just not quite ready to feed my dog stuck heads. (laughs) I don't know if I will ever be there, but you know, points for her. Um, Zach has also been working on a cover of the song When the Party's Over. There is a cover done by Billie Eilish as well as Louis Capaldi. I'm sure you guys know who those artists are, but if you don't, I mean, you should check out that song. But it is so beautiful and it's just a really, really big, I don't know, range to be able to sing that song. And it's just gorgeous. And Zach's been playing it on the piano for the last three days straight, which for me is great. I am one of those people who can listen to the same song over and over for like two weeks straight and be happy. It drives everyone in my life nuts because it's so annoying, but I absolutely love it. And so I've been in a good mood. I also had a cup of coffee about two hours ago. So I am feeling amped, which is why probably it's, you can tell that my energy is just up in this episode, but I am just in a great mood. I did some yoga. Zach and I made a banana peanut butter oat smoothie. 
and then I had some carrots and now he's off making music with his friends and I get to record this. So I'm just having a really, really great day and I hope you guys are too. But let's get into this week's episode. This week's episode is all about using dating apps and how they can affect our mental health, self-confidence, and self-image. We're going to be breaking down the essence of dating apps, how they have helped us and hurt us, and what we need to be aware of when choosing to go that route. 48% of adults aged 18 to 29 have used dating apps, but only 17% of those users either got married to or were in a committed relationship with someone they met on those apps. Now, there are many factors that contribute to these statistics, but one of the factors and issues with dating apps is that it's so image-based. Selection has become so image-based. Apps like Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge have coined the act of swiping left or right as a means of acknowledging whether or not you're interested in someone. Such a simple, quick movement has led to barely acknowledging more than just the picture in front of you when you're swiping and selecting. This in and of itself has brought us to where we are now, farther and farther into an image-based society where dating is somehow more difficult, but also more accessible, and where one to three images comes way before your personality or what you can fit into a 500 character limit. Because of this issue we are now facing has come another, Men and women who find themselves dating through these apps are reporting significantly higher rates of psychological distress, anxiety, and depression, as well as lower confidence and body image. Okay, that was a lot of information at one time, so I want to break this all of this down. Let's start with where dating apps came from, how long they've been around, and how they've completely changed the dating game. This is going to be a real quick history moment, but please bear with me as the history of all of this is important and I promise it's not too painful. Dating apps came from dating websites, which came from being matched through a questionnaire and an IBM computer. I don't know if anyone else experienced this, but in high school, we actually did this. Uh, We did the questionnaire and matching thing, I think around Valentine's Day. You could buy a questionnaire for $5 or whatever. You would fill it out, turn it back in, and they would literally give you a list of people in your school who they thought you would match well with. I don't think I ever actually did it, but it was really fun to see people get matched or watch couples see if they would get matched together. It was actually really cute. Um, But in 1959, Happy Families Planning Services matched 49 men and 49 women using this type of method. They used a questionnaire and an IBM computer. But the first time that we saw this technique blow up was in 1965. Listen to this, you guys. This is nuts. In 1965, two Harvard students, Jeff Tarr and Vaughn Morrill, created Operation Match. They charged $3 to submit a questionnaire. They initially received 1,401 questionnaires, but within six months... They had received 90,000 questionnaires, and they profited $270,000, which, and again, this is in 1965. That amount is now equivalent to $2.2 million. And again, guys, this is within six months. Can we just take one moment real quick? To appreciate and try to understand how much money that actually is, I don't even know what I would do with that. Even half of that, because again, they're splitting this, the two of them. So $1.1 million for six months. 
That is, that's just crazy to me. But after this, there are other similar dating services, but the first modern dating website was not launched until 1994. So you had a break. I mean, you had some different type, basically this type of service happening, but there wasn't a modern dating website from 1965 up until 1994, which is when kiss.com was born. And that was followed by match.com in 1995, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. And then in 2009, Grindr hit the scene and this started an evolution evolution, revolution for online dating, focusing on those identifying as LGBTQ+, as well as Grindr was the first dating service to use geographic location. So that is if anyone is using these apps or has used or anything knows much about them. Um, But essentially what you can do is when you go on them, you can decide how big of a range almost that you're willing to date someone. So you could say within a 10 mile radius within a hundred mile radius. I, I think there is a limit. I'm not exactly sure, but you can kind of decide and then you'll get mashed, um, to someone within that radius. You'll get different people. We then were graced with the presence of Tinder in 2012. So here we are. We went from questionnaires and fancy schmancy IBM computers to swiping on our iPhones and Androids of modern dating. Now there are many positives that have come along with online dating. For one, we're able to meet people we may otherwise have never crossed paths with. People are also expanding the type of person they're interested in. As you're presented with people of all shapes and sizes, races, ages, you have endless options. Online dating has also reached the type of person who is more on the introverted side of things that maybe struggles with dating as a whole, as they find walking up to someone they don't know in a bar to be very intimidating. And to top it off, we have now begun to see online dating being used in ways of finding friendship. Some just use the dating apps themselves, and some use platforms such as Bumble BFF to explore new friendships, whether they just move to a new place or you're just wanting to meet someone new in a platonic way. Similar to social media, we have since seen dating apps connect people in ways that are n- were not possible before and have brought together and begun some meaningful and amazing connections. But again, everything has its downside. Every rose has its thorn. Along with all the connections and growth of the dating world, we've also seen a shift in how those, how using these techniques, these people are viewing themselves in their overall mental state and health. And this is where I want to get down into the nitty gritty and explore how we can tackle these issues. There have been a couple studies done in the last five years exploring how much of an effect these apps have on us and what type of effect. A study completed in 2016 found that men and women using apps like Tinder reported, quote, lower levels of satisfaction with their faces and bodies, end quote, as well as lower self-esteem and self-confidence. You know, back in 2017 and early 18 was, it's really the only time that I personally have used dating apps at all. I had just moved to Colorado and I didn't know anyone. And I initially had just decided to use it to make friends and meet new people. And then it just kind of evolved into my way of dating at the time. When I first began using the apps, I figured it would help boost my confidence as I had more people who are openly saying they were attracted to me than ever before. But that high, you could say, only lasts for so long. Eventually, you start thinking about the fact that you're being compared to everyone else and thinking about the pictures you chose and if they're good enough. It's a big mental game using dating apps that until you find yourself playing, you honestly don't really realize it exists. 
I read this note while reading an article in The Atlantic that was talking about how when you meet someone you have no connections with, they are much more likely to be rude to you compared to someone who is, say, friends with your coworker. They have nothing other than their own moral code stopping them from being cruel or insulting for whatever reason, because they know they will probably never see you again. Because, as we said earlier, these apps are helping people connect with someone they may never have crossed paths with otherwise. This point threw me for a loop when I read it. It was something that I honestly had never truly considered before, and I realized how absolutely right they were as well as how much that played into my lowered self-confidence during that period of my life. Even though I had 10 times more people expressing interest in me, I also came across three times more people who had no regard for my feelings and enjoyed seeing some really cruel things. It didn't matter how many people were excited to talk to me when I had more people than ever also bringing down my confidence. During that time, I was battling whether or not I actually enjoyed using dating apps, One minute it was fun and I could talk to whoever I wanted, and my confidence was getting a lovely boost, and the next I was being torn down by someone not even worth my time. I found overall that dating in that sense just wasn't for me. Even though I am actively working on building my confidence and expressing more and more self-love now, it doesn't change the fact that I am someone who wears their heart on their sleeve, and because of this, dating and interacting with others is a very sensitive activity for me. My initial solution to the issue was to not use dating apps. I didn't want to swipe anymore and I didn't want to be swiped on. I didn't want to be searching for validation from people who didn't care about me. And I hadn't unintentionally and without realizing it reached that point. So I had to validate myself and rebuild that self-love and move on to that journey. Through this ongoing journey is where I found not only myself and my hobbies, but lifelong friends and my current long-term boyfriend. Now, I'm not saying that if you stop using Tinder, you're going to magically have everything in your life be perfect, because that's not how this works. But it can begin a big shift in your life, your mental state, and the way you view yourself. Self-love is a forever journey. It takes time, commitment, respect, and forgiveness, just like any other relationship. So how do you begin that? Okay, well, these are things that you can do whether or not you're using dating apps. So this applies to everyone on the spectrum. But first and foremost, you need to put yourself first above everything else, which sounds simple. It's, excuse me, it sounds easy to be selfish, but it's not. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. I enjoy putting others first, but as many of you I'm sure can also relate, I take that to an extreme. I take it to a point where people who are not worthy of my time are the ones I'm putting before myself. It becomes almost a natural reaction when you think anyone in your life needs help. So step one is finding the balance. Sometimes you have to unbalance the scale in the opposite direction so that you can find the balance between the love you have for yourself and the love you have for others. If you need to completely go in the other direction for a while, I want you to know that that is okay. It is okay to give yourself permission to ignore everyone else for a little while to understand what you need and want and what is important to you. Step two is affirmations. This step is optional. Well, I guess technically they're all optional, but this one is a little bit more optional, but it's super important for me. Affirmations are positive sayings or inspirational quotes that you repeat to yourself until you believe them. 
You can find some amazing lists or even books on affirmations online, as well as I have some written for you. I'm going to link them in the show notes. But affirmations are amazing. And there's actual scientific evidence supporting how regular, regularly repeating positive thoughts to yourself can change how we think and view ourselves. It's called the self-affirmation theory. And there's also MRI evidence showing that certain neural pathways in the brain are increased when we use these affirmations. But the key to using them is practicing them regularly. Using them one time will not suddenly change your entire life and cause you to love everything about yourself. Again, that's not how this works. You have to be consistent and put in the work of consciously being aware of what you're saying. Take it to your soul and sit with it for a while. Like I said, the self-love journey is a journey. It takes time and effort. Affirmations is just a tool we can use to help us along that journey, but is a tool that we must use correctly. Step three is put your phone down. A weird one, I know, but this one is a biggie. Especially in this time of the world where our phones are glued to our hands and social media runs our thoughts and how we see one another, how we interact with one another. So put your phone down and find what you enjoy that doesn't involve the internet and social media. Experiment different hobbies, go for a jog, find a trailhead, walk into a new coffee shop, buy some watercolor paint, read a comic book. There are so many things out there for us to do, and as we continue to experience all these amazing options and enjoy them, as we find our own individual hobbies, we build our confidence and our ability to be alone. And to be able to be alone and enjoy it is such an amazing, powerful thing. It is incredible how much confidence you can gain just from enjoying and wanting to paint by yourself or take yourself out to dinner. Honestly, I could do an entire episode about how taking yourself out to dinner, about taking yourself out to dinner, but it's such a powerful experience, one that I've had for myself, but being alone in general will power you up. It also allows you to separate what is happening in your phone, on Instagram, on Tinder, from the rest of your life. It allows you to push away what anyone has to say to you on a dating app, or the fact that it seems like someone has a perfect life because of their Instagram. You can see these things a little more clear as you aren't losing yourself in that world anymore. Dating becomes something that is fun, but not the center of your world. The point of this episode is not to discourage you from using online dating apps, especially with the current world we're living in. For many, it may seem like the only option or one that you enjoy, which is completely fine. But there are things to be aware of when choosing that path and taking a moment to assess your mental health. Have these apps and the experience that I have had worsened how I feel about myself? Has my confidence taking a has my confidence taken a blow since using Tinder or Bumble? Even just being aware of these things can be a great start, and using these techniques can help protect you from having a negative experience. You are an amazing person, and you deserve not only self-love, but love from everyone else around you. But we have to have that self-love and respect while in the dating pool. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed and were able to see a different side of things. Please, please, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and go like and follow my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash this is your life podcast. There I post more resources and updates on episodes, as well as overall encouraging content. 
If you have any suggestions or requests for episode topics, you can email me at thisisyourlifepodcast at gmail.com. And remember guys, this is your life.